welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast and this week's guest is someone I've been really looking forward to speaking to for a long time and her name is JM. She is a professional cellist and an ADHD life coach and mentor. I've not said those two words in a sentence before, so (laughs) thank you for that. And I came across Jay actually when you were featured in a Sunday Times article, weren't you, a few months ago about ADHD and women, which got so much coverage and the conversation was amazing. So yeah, I've been looking forward to speaking to you since I read about you then. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Jay, you are based in Warwickshire, which is central England for anyone that's listening, you know, outside of the UK. I love the fact that you are a professional musician, because this is something (laughs) I've always wanted to talk about is connection, (laughs) because it feels like music and ADHD do go hand in hand. And I feel like I'm going straight into the the jugular on this one, because it is something that I've noticed that in my family, we're hugely into music. And from lots of anecdotal conversations that music just plays a big part in our life. Can you maybe explain why? So for me, music was always huge. And interestingly, music in my life um, started with my dad from like the earliest I can ever remember. And I'm talking like, you know, crawling around on the floor, trying not to break his records because he would always have records playing on his record player. And then as I got older, I would still be listening to his records and I would, (laughs) obviously he's never going to know this, but I would sneak in and play his records when he wasn't around, but I was always super careful of them. I just always loved listening to music and you know there's been lots of musical discoveries along the way um started playing the cello when I was six hilariously that only happened because my impulsivity was like the, the teacher walked in and was like who wants to learn to play the cello so obviously my hand shot in the air I'm like I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it I don't know what it is but I'll do it and then I found out there's more music and just ever since then I've been hooked absolutely hooked it's music and it's a voice it's um it's expression it's a stim I can tick through it. it's kind of like it's everything I can possibly do that I might not be able to do outside of music whilst having ADHD so yeah it's a big physical mental and emotional part of me do you read music yeah I'll be honest it was excruciating learning because I <laughs> I would look at the music on the page and kind of memorize it instantly by things like 
muscle memory or just kind of it was just a very logical thing to me but it used to infuriate my teacher because my teacher would be like no you have to look at the music because you don't know what the notes are and you don't know which way your bow needs to go so you need to pay attention and it like I always remember saying no it's okay I know how it goes now I've seen the music but because the classical industry wants to some extent wants a lot of perfection I was kind of like well I can do the notes and that's good enough and that was kind of how I started but very quickly learned no you need to do more than just a note so it became it became difficult really really quickly and yeah just the search for perfectionism when I didn't know what perfectionism was was just was really hard really really hard yeah and I can imagine that not that I know much about being part of the classical music industry but I can imagine it's quite you know you're in a box and people are quite sort of quiet and subdued maybe I don't know and then what you mentioned then about your teacher saying well this is how you should do it and you were flipping it on its head yes (laughs) doing it in a way that worked for you which is I would say very broadly speaking is how we all get through life you know we, we know that there's a way that we should do it but we found a way that works for us but for anyone neurotypical thinks it's just like chaos and like disorganization. Absolutely. How did you find that when you, I guess, were being challenged to do it in a way that was more typical, but you wanted to play the cello and I guess play the cello is, I mean, that is, it's a very classical instrument, isn't it? Can you go off like pieced with that? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much scope for cello. It fits in literally anywhere and everywhere. I just got to say like, just two days ago, I was on Instagram. Of course, I was on Instagram and found um, I follow several cello accounts. And there was a cello concerto for solo cello, wind orchestra and pop band. And like she's playing and it's like it's all beautiful, classical. And then it goes into like funk slap guitar with cello doing all this crazy, amazing jazz stuff over the top. I'm like, yeah, there's there's so much scope for cello. Even as a kid growing up, I would listen to music and I think that's how I survived. I would listen to music and think, I really like the sound of that, so I'm just going to play it. And discovered very early on that I could um, play by ear. But it wasn't even just, okay, let me just kind of feel my way around it and see if I can figure it out. It was literally, I could hear something and go, yeah, no, I'm just going to play it and would do that. And I think that combined with just seeing the music on the page only needing to see it once have my teacher play it once it's like okay I've got it now I'm good thanks I don't need you anymore and that used to really wind my teacher up something chronic and I wasn't even being a pain in the backside I'm like I just don't understand how everyone else always needs the music in front of them I don't understand why you need to do that because for me I'm just like cool I've got it now I'm good you can just stop now please stop trying to give me more information I don't need it I'm good Yeah, I'm convinced that so many musicians throughout time have must have had ADHD because it's like this innate, it's almost like an out of body thing, isn't it? That they connect to the music that they don't need to read music. There's a few. I know Will I Am is another example of a musician with ADHD. I don't know if he does read music, but his musical talent is bonkers. I'm just like, this dude is all what? (laughs) And he just gets on with it. And it's like, there's so many of us out there. We just get on with it because it's like, we just don't want to be slowed down by the dots. We don't want to be slowed down by the dots. That's what I found quite often. Exactly. And it's also just like that. You get maybe get um, like an idea or a concept in your head that sounds completely ridiculous. And then like exactly what you say, Will I Am is like an amazing example. He just throws so many like um, weird, like wonderful yes. things into his music. Like how did someone perceive, <laughs> yeah. you know, conceive it? And 
that's what's so great. And sadly, we were we weren't given a musical gene in our family. So we we love music. <laughs> yes. But none of us have been able to play an instrument. I actually remember this. And this is one of those memories that, you know, always sticks with me. I had a piano teacher and I must have been about eight or nine. And I couldn't read the music. Like I just couldn't. And I couldn't remember the like the very short piece that she would give me. So it was just like my brain wasn't playing ball. And I remember her telling my mum after three or four lessons saying, it's just not worth it. Kate just can't, it's just, I'm not going to carry wow. on these lessons. So from a very early age, I was told by a teacher that I don't have a musical bone in my body. And then fast forward, how many years? 36 years or something. And just before the pandemic, typical ADHD, I decided that I wanted to learn how to play drums. <laughs> of course you did. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Out of nowhere, I decided, I think I was like listening to an interview with Dave Grohl, who also has ADHD. And I was like, I really want to play drums. And I think I, it's been something on my mind, like samba drums, but I really wanted to have like, you know, the sticks and just wanted to do like, go for it. My family obviously thought I was crackers. This is before my ADHD diagnosis, but my husband has still sort of started to get used to me just like having impulsive whims and he just goes with it. So I ended up finding a drum teacher who lived around the corner and we went and it was the same thing of why can't I just thrash around and just do what feels innately, intuitively no good. And he was like, but you need to learn what this is and the snare and the this. And I couldn't remember the cycle he was telling me. So, and then, the, and then, you know, it came, the pandemic came and obviously, you know, two years later, I, I haven't picked up a, a, a drumstick, but I'm actually quite glad that the pandemic came for that reason, because I was about to spend like two grand on a drum kit. <laughs> yeah. Ah, the impulse buy, my favourite. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> and I think that we would, it would just, yeah. So I'm actually quite glad. So we'll see, who knows? I, I actually quite fancy taking up drumming again but maybe more in a maybe just kind of like some salsa drums that's interesting it might literally be a, a particular style that works for you my youngest adores playing the piano but as soon as you put music in front of him he's like no not interested and literally won't sit at the piano and he's very specific on the music that he plays like he won't play he really doesn't play any classical music but if you put film music anywhere near him you guaranteed he's going to have learned it by the end of the day and he's like he'll just listen to it or watch youtube videos and then yeah he's he's off he's done but piano lessons no absolutely flipping not not happening not even just no absolutely no yeah it is amazing to be able to harness like that if you can and clearly like you understand your son's brain yeah so you know and it would be amazing to be able to kind of harness a little bit of that musical love in a different way as opposed to just listening to music but I've got two brothers with ADHD my mum my grandpa on my mum's side and they were all major music fans you know like they would collect CD like my brother's CD collection is like going into the thousands yes growing up he would teach me right you need to listen to this new band and this that new band and he would literally teach me and I just have like memories of him in his bedroom like head banging to like Metallica <laughs> yeah and you know like he actually learned the bass because for him the bass was like now I understand it better I think the bass it was like it just spoke to him. It kind of went into his body. I don't know how to describe yes. it. Yes. Yeah. That's an interesting discovery I've made recently with um, my own coach, actually understanding 
the resonances and vibrations of instruments and music in general and why some literally hit better than others in terms of neurotypicals. And that's been an interesting, an interesting discovery. That's something I'd love to talk about with someone sometime. But yeah, that's that's a whole other journey. <laughs> yeah. And then this is my last insight on this. But I wonder, and you might be able to help, I am and always was a massive fan of like hip hop and rap music. And so even now at the age of like 41, I've got four kids. I'm a responsible mother. If I'm in the car on my own, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like Relate. channeling my yeah. inner Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, it's not just me. <laughs> and I'm like yeah. straight there. Like, you know, it, it's just so funny because I can get drawn right back to my teenage years and feel like young and carefree and, you know, reckless again. Yeah, absolutely. Through using like, and, and I guess you kind of think, well, which other women listen to gangster rap in their car and turn up the bass? And it does seem like a really random thing. But yeah, I mean, again, just going back to frequencies and understanding things like that and how that resonates with ADHD, they're all really closely linked. There's some really big stuff going on there. I've not explored yet as much as I would like to, but it's it's on my list of um, things to look into and sort of have a further understanding of why that is the case. But it's definitely a thing. Definitely okay. a thing. Well, when you do explore, can we have a, another conversation? Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, all over it. Let's go. Okay, yeah. fine. I'll, le I'll leave that one with you and then you can come back to me. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'd love that. <laughs> I'm just interrupting this podcast to say a huge thank you for helping me get on the new and noteworthy section on Apple Podcasts this week. I'm honestly blown away by the news, but it does show how needed this content and these conversations really are. And if you have been drawn to this podcast, you may not yet be diagnosed, but have a strong inclination that you do indeed have ADHD. And if that's the case, I've got something you're really going to find helpful. I've created a free nine-step guide to support you before during and after your diagnosis. So if you simply don't know where to begin practically and emotionally, I've got your back. This is a brilliant resource for anyone needing more guidance in a complex area. I've really given you all my best tips, including books to read and other podcasts to listen to. So simply head to my website, which is coachingbykate.me.uk and you'll find it right there on the homepage or head to the show notes where I've also included it. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so you can automatically get each new episode every week. Now let's get back to the show. Tell me a little bit about your diagnosis. When did that happen and how did it come about? Oh, that was a um, God, that was a roller coaster and a half, to be honest with you. Oh God, where do I even begin with all of this? It's 20, 2019. My youngest son is really taking an interest in a lot of musical stuff, but he's doing it in exactly the same way that I did when I was a kid, the whole listening to something once and then being able to play it straight away. And I'm like, okay, I recognize that this is maybe a talent and everyone's going, oh, you know, he gets it from you, Jay. It's because you're musical, Jen. I'm like, yeah, that's all very well, but not, not like this, not to this extent. And then there were other things he was doing, things like constantly moving his hands and his feet in the same way that I do, but he would do it. It's not like he was watching me to see it happening. It's just kind of just things he was doing. And then there are other things like he would watch something on TV and he would be like, oh, mummy, mummy, come and watch this. And then would constantly watch me to see what my reaction would be. And I just remember thinking, oh, that's really, really cute. But it got to the point where it was almost unsettling and he didn't realise he was doing it. 
So I talked to him about it and he just said, well, I'm not quite sure how people are supposed to react to things like this. And I thought that's a really unusual thing to say. The more I started to pay attention to his behavior, the more and more I saw things that I was doing myself. So I thought, let me just look. Then it began the wormhole, the Googling and the, you know, the Dr. Google and the rest of it. But I started looking more into the things that he was doing, not to see if they were normal, but just to see perhaps if I could understand why they were happening. And I noticed ADHD was cropping up more and more. And I thought, okay, right. It's all very well to explore what's going on with my kids, but if I'm going to start putting labels on them and I'm exhibiting the same behaviors then I need to check myself first. Now I already knew that they were neurodiverse in some way because they already had been diagnosed with dyslexia. So that was a thing I'd known for years and years and years. And I trust my gut. Like my gut does not mess around when it comes to instinct and knowing stuff. So okay, self-research, let me figure out what's going on. I looked at my own impulsive behaviors, things like, okay, now I'm going to do a music degree. Okay, now I'm going to apply to one of the top music colleges in the whole of the UK. I haven't played cello for 10 years, but I'm going to try it anyway, because why the hell not? Okay, now I'm going to start a new business. Okay, now I'm going to do that. And it's literally this same impulsivity. And I remember thinking, yeah, I think it's time for me to investigate a diagnosis. What was interesting was this came... Um, the penny really started to, started to drop halfway through the second year of my master's music degree, which was in the middle of the pandemic. I couldn't work out why I just couldn't do the assignments. There were the, the assignments were not difficult. I had a wealth of musical knowledge behind me. It was all subjects and topics and things that made perfect sense to me. But as soon as it came to crunch time, my brain was just like... Now nah, we're going to check out today. Hey, why don't you go and play Pokemon instead? That sounds awesome. And I'm just thinking, no, this is, I just don't understand. And then even down to the pieces that I wanted to perform, I knew those pieces back to front, inside out, no problem at all. But when it came to, um, as we came out of the pandemic and it came to rehearsing with my pianist, it was like I'd never played the piece before in my life. And I mean, literally like I'd never seen or heard the music before and it just wasn't making any sense literally a month and a half before my final recital. So this is what we're in 2020 now. And it was early October. And I said, right, that's it. I'm just going to find the money, go for an assessment. And hilariously, within about 10 minutes of the assessment, the psychologist was like, okay, all right. Well, would you like to go and take a break, Jay? You're looking a little bit restless. Are you okay? Are you okay to keep going? I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm fine. Twitch, twitch, fidget, fidget. It's all good. I'm fine. Just keep going. And within about 45 minutes, she's like, yeah, I'm pretty certain. I can't say this on the record, but I'm pretty certain you have ADHD, but let's finish the assessment anyway. Um, and then two days before my final results came through, came my assessment result came back and I like scored almost top marks for both sides of ADHD, um, both inattentive and hyperactive. And I was like, I was so not surprised because I looked at how my kiddo was behaving and I just thought, yeah, figures, it literally doesn't surprise me at all. I looked at all the things I've been through myself, no surprise at all. So yeah, it kind of, it came out of the blue and yet made perfect sense, to be perfectly honest. It made absolute sense. 
I hear this so much. I mean, from a personal perspective, everything you said resonated. And I hear it so much, you know, with my clients and people that I speak to, that it is almost like that final missing piece, isn't it, of explaining and understanding, you know, your behavior, your childhood, everything. It's like, okay, now I understand. Yes. And even though it is a bit like, oh my God, now I've got this diagnosis, but I found it very even though there was a lot of other things that kind of laid with it, I did find it very helpful to have an explanation because otherwise that negative self-talk just goes, you know, you're lazy, you're disorganized. It just goes on and on and on. There's no stopping it at all because you've got no, you've got nothing to fight back. You've got no armor or ammunition to go, actually, no, I'm not lazy. I just have executive dysfunction or no, I'm not stupid. My brain is just wired differently to everyone else around me. I am talented, but I'm not, you know, talented just because of my parents. I'm talented because my brain's gone. Do you know what? Let's hyper-focus on this and we're going to absorb everything we possibly can. There's so much more to consider when you've got all the pieces in place. Absolutely. And what you said then about signing up for a master's degree and let's do another (laughs) course, let's do this. Yeah, 100%. I nearly did. I got accepted to do a master's in positive psychology just before the pandemic. And I am so glad that I didn't do it because (laughs) I was tipping over the edge during the pandemic, you know, homeschooling the kids, starting my business, coaching. I, I was literally fraught. And if I had, you know, taken something on, And I know that what would have happened is I would have berated myself constantly thinking, why can't I cope? Why am I not coping with everything? I should be doing this. And so it was a blessing that I got really good advice from someone saying, why do you need to do this master's? Like she really, she, she coached me and she said, what are you doing this for? And actually she got into the nitty gritty of it being a bit of an ego thing that I I thought it would be a nice thing to have a a master's degree. And like, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it also tapped into my imposter syndrome as well. So which something that I'd always, and again, this is ADHD is the imposter syndrome and putting other people's accomplishments on a pedestal. So I couldn't see anything that I'd achieved. Everything that I achieved was rubbish. It wasn't real. Yeah, really absolutely. Yeah. I bypassed something somehow, like I fluked my way into that, you know, course. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, nothing I've done is real. My four children aren't real. The house yeah. I'm do- I run is not real. It's, um, it's amazing how you can be so blind to the most obvious things right in front of you, it's it can be terrifying. It really, really can be quite terrifying. Yeah, and I'm so grateful she held that spotlight up for me and said, what are you doing this for? And really, you know, the answer was because it would be a, I don't know, maybe evidence that I'm doing well, maybe evidence that I am clever or whatever. I don't even know what I needed, but I think the assignments and all of that and put handing things in on time would have really been a problem for me so I'm not saying never but I don't think I needed that extra level of pressure um during during the pandemic (laughs) yeah no I speaking from experience I can tell you it's not fun (laughs) doing a part-time master's degree whilst trying to keep your business afloat and in the middle of pandemic and homeschooling your kids yeah no it's not fun I can tell you that right now it's absolutely not fun I mean I hilariously when I applied for my master's degree Of course, I applied 24 hours before closing deadline because why would I apply any earlier than that? And it was like, okay, I have 24 hours to record 20 minutes of music, pull out an assignment that had at least, 
was it 10,000 words or a thousand words? I don't even remember. And then do my own character assessment. I've got 24 hours to do this. But because of my go-getter nature, again, tied into ADHD, it was like, okay, well, we're just going to do it. And obviously did it and got in and all the rest of it. But it's bonkers to think that we put ourselves in that situation. And even in that short time frame, I remember thinking, yeah, but why am I doing this? Thankfully, I had valid answers. I'm still glad that I did it. But I know that there are other things like yourself where I've gone, you know what, let me just do this. I'm just going to quickly do this. And then I had to step back and go, yeah, but why? Why are you going to do that? And that's why is one of my favorite questions in the entire world. I love that question so much. Brilliant. So true. Yeah, it really is. Because I don't think we ask ourselves enough. We just, well, because we should, or because it's the right thing to do, or we need to, or anything like that. And I wonder, actually, after you'd handed in that assignment, which sounds, you know, like hardcore, you know, all of that, you had to get it in, get it in on time. I wonder how your nervous system was after that, that week after, because I know for me, I would have been, it probably would have taken me a few days to get over that because I would have felt so frazzled and burnt out. Interestingly, I think I was all systems go, but I think that also comes from years of training, subliminal training via music, via growing up as a professional cellist, or at least as an amateur cellist as a kid, you know, in orchestras, we have to suddenly just snap, be ready to get on stage, perform and just do it. And then, you know, I would have to come off stage and then have to talk to audience members and be, you know, perfectly calm. Oh, you know, how was the concert? Did you enjoy it? Or was it and that, that kind of small talk? So there was already training from that respect in managing, to an extent, managing my nervous system. For me, it's flipped. My nervous system is absolutely through the freaking roof before anything that puts pressure. So I'm like, I'm full on nerves, like absolutely freaking insane. And for the longest time ever, I couldn't perform because stage fright would just eat me alive or whatever was going on. And I just, I just couldn't, like, I just could not engage my brain. But afterwards I'd be like, okay, yeah, cool. Super chill, whatever. No biggie. And I find that the same after I've done presentations or I've just launched myself into yet another scenario where Jay's doing something at the last minute and I come out and I'm like, yep, it's great. When are we doing it again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so weird, isn't it? It's almost like we crave that adrenaline. We have to have to do it because that's what gets us to the next stage. But the anxiety before is crippling. And I really, you know, I feel that. And it's so many times that I've, I've put myself through that. I go, I'm not doing that again. But then afterwards, it's like, okay, yeah, I've done it. Yeah. And so that, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like your brain forgets and you just put yourself through it again. Just interrupting this podcast to give a shout out to my sponsors. So I've always been a fan of protecting and supporting my own health with vitamins and supplements. And now as a busy mum of four kids, I try to help them as much as possible with their nutritional support. And now that I'm understanding ADHD more and more, I'm a real firm believer that as vital as it is to look after our physical health, we must also support our brain and emotional well-being as well. And for that reason, I've been taking omega-3 and 6 supplements for many years, which have undoubtedly supported my mood regulation and emotional well-being. And I've now been giving Equizin for my own children for several years now. 
they are a permanent fixture in our cereal cupboard to give them just before school. So Equisin are fatty acid specialists with a range of products to support brain function. Backed by clinical studies, Equisin supplements are a precise blend of omega-3, EPA and DHA, which contributes to the maintenance of normal brain function and are made from fish oil and omega-6 GLA from primrose oil. Like me, you may have some fussy eaters in the house. So now that I give my kids Equisin, I feel much more relaxed knowing they're getting these essential fatty acids in capsule form. Equisin's range of supplements are suitable for all members of the family, as well as for pregnancy and babies, and contain a balanced formula to really help get the natural benefits of fish oils without that fishy taste. My two youngest kids are super fussy and take the strawberry flavoured shoes every morning without any drama. Unbelievable. So to get discounted Equisin products for all the family, head to boots.com. That's boots.com and enter the discount code Kate15. That's K-A-T-E-1-5, Kate15, to get 15% off all Equisin supplements. And for more information about Equisin and all the products they've got, head to their website and learn how they can support you and your ADHD journey. Have you got any CBD oil fans out there or just curious to try a trusted CBD oil brand? Well, look no further. Our Remedy is a great new brand that I've recently come across and instantly love. Our Remedy is an award-winning wellness brand aimed at women's sleep, periods, stress and anxiety. So pretty much our lives, right? Our Remedy is made of unique blends of CBD, adaptogens and essential oils. Everything is organic cruelty-free and vegan and all their products are made here in the UK and packaged using eco-friendly materials making it sustainable for you and the planet. So not only do they do that but they also donate to charities for each product they sell. How great is that? I love the Pretty Peaceful CBD which I've been taking at night to help me sleep and is a mix of geranium oil which is great for anxiety, lavender oil which helps with sleep and orange oil which makes it taste really nice. And they've got another CBD oil mix which is called, wait for it, Moon Swings which is mixed with clary sage for period cramps and hormones. I swear by clary sage, one of my all-time favourite oils and mint to help it taste good. So if you are looking for something more natural to help you with sleep and hormones and want to make a switch to something you can take every day without any unpleasant side effects, our remedy is really worth trying. Within a week, I felt the difference. It was more of just an underlying daily calm that I noticed. So if you're ready to make a change to your lifestyle, I'd highly recommend giving our remedy CBD oils a try. Head to their website, which is ourremedy.co.uk. That's our remedy, O-U-R-R-E-M-E-D-Y.co.uk. And to get £10 off your first order, enter the code ADHDPOD10. That's ADHDPOD with a 10, one O, and you'll get that discount. And now back to the show. This podcast is ADHD Women's Wellbeing. And I do try and touch on different techniques and coping strategies. And I, and I just wonder what things that you do for you to come out of that kind of cycle of so, frenzy. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the frenzy. So I know 
all too well that I am always on the lookout for dopamine. We have ADHD, we want the dopamine, we want that feel good. Um, so we're going to look for the things that give us that feel good factor. The thing to do that has worked for me and I'm working through with some of my clients at the moment actually is, is literally identifying every single little thing that gives that feel good factor. Now, some of them are going to be absolutely massive feel good factors like going on stage and, you know, playing a cello or launching a course or whatever. Those are massive feel goods for me. Those are massive dopamine hits. But then at the same time, I have little dopamine hits, <laughs> things as simple as sitting down at my desk and just scribbling anything into my planner first thing in the morning. I'm like, yay. I mean, I've written rubbish in there. It doesn't matter. At least I put something in there. Yay me. Um, little things like <laughs> remembering to put my water bottle on my desk. Yay. It's not huge, but I, yay. I remember to do something. Yay me. It is finding the smallest of the dopamine hits. So if I can chug along in my day with the small dopamine hits, that's fine because I'm not breaking myself. I'm not pushing myself to the absolute wall and through it. I'm literally just chugging along nice and quietly on like an even keel until I feel myself needing a bigger hit. By that point, it's like, okay, well, I've got the energy because I've been on a low, slow burner. By the time I need the bigger hits, like I'm ready for it. Like, okay, great. Let's do this. Let's go. And I know that I'm going to massively enjoy that big hit. There's going to be an almighty come down probably, but I know that when I come down, I can go as low as I need to, but still have the small dopamine hits just to keep me ticking over. And I think that's the problem. We, I think we tend to we tend to keep looking for the massive hits. We tend to look for the things that are absolutely huge where it kind of blows us out of the water and we're like, yes, this is insane. It's like the roller coaster, but we forget the small stuff. You know, we're told to not sweat the small stuff, but we should look for the small stuff. I feel like we should appreciate the small stuff and use the small stuff. It takes some getting used to for some people because for some it's not enough. But if you keep stringing them along and keep finding them, even just finding them is a dopamine hit. It's just, it's that. It's just keep looking for the small dopamine hits. And that's what's worked for me. Just yesterday, I had uh, a call with a client and she was saying, Jay, you know, I'm desperate to take a break. I'm constantly plowing on and I'm constantly working and I love it. It's great, but I need to stop because I'm going to burn out. So I said, well, what does it feel like to do nothing? She's like, I can't do nothing. And I said, well, yeah, but what is nothing? What is doing nothing? For me, doing nothing is watching TV. For me, doing nothing is repotting my plants. For me, doing nothing is reading a book or listening to a podcast or stuff like that. But it's books and podcasts that I want to listen to that I particularly enjoy. I'm getting a little buzz out of. So sometimes it is just find your version of doing nothing and do that. Whether doing nothing is playing with your plants or repotting something or watching TV, or <laughs> as I've done in the past, just lying on the floor and staring at the ceiling because I've done that too. And that has been a feel good. That's like, do you know what? This feels great. Okay. I don't want to move now. I'm stuck in call waiting mode and that's fine. And it is permission. It's self permission to say, do you know what? It's fine. I'm doing nothing right now. It's fine. Yeah. I think that's great advice. I think whatever that doing nothing looks like for you, do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I if I really need to switch off, and again, I, I have to like literally throw my phone away. Like <laughs> yes. if I will do something with my phone. And so I put my phone away and actually making dinner, a lot of other people think, oh, that's a chore. But for me, cooking is relaxing. If I've got the kitchen to myself and I put like, 
music on and I just listen to the music and I cook, that is an amazingly relaxing thing. So to someone else that might just be like, oh, I hate the chore of making dinner. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. if I go for a walk with my dog, that is me doing nothing. That's me listening to my favorite podcast, walking my dog. That's super relaxing. So I think you're right. Give yourself permission just to kind of relax in the way that relaxes you because it might not relax someone without ADHD. Yeah, exactly. Um, Literally, the question is, what does your nothing look like? Because it's limitless. There's There's no scale. There's no ends there's no right or wrong it's literally what does your nothing look like and find your dopamine within that nothing and yeah that works beautifully I think it's a very common denominator that women with ADHD are overachievers high achievers perfectionists doing nothing to them is very hard work so they just keep adding more and more things to their their list and I actually wrote an article for Attitude magazine um, about the connection that I had seen and again sort of like online Facebook groups people I'd spoken to between women and having big families choosing to have a big family loving the hustle and bustle of like lots of children in the house and I know I've got four kids and so many people said to me why you know what why have you done that to yourself you know (laughs) for me if I haven't got two of if I've only got two kids in the house it's like the house is like eerily quiet I've got four kids in the house I love the hustle and bustle until they all drop their shit in different rooms (laughs) no one hangs their bags up their kitchen's a mess oh god yeah and it's, it's like this, we're constantly doing this dance aren't we between taking so much on yeah and then being tipped over and being like oh my god everything is just horrific and I wish I had the answer I think it's just constantly tweaking a formula it is it is constantly tweaking it's remembering to give yourself permission it's uh, oh, there was a lovely, a lovely analogy that I came up with with another client. Um, it's rethinking your rethinking. With people with ADHD, we already think outside the box. But what we forget to do is acknowledge that we're already thinking outside the box. So we need to rethink our rethinking. And it's kind of like people within the box, as it were, are kind of like, right, these are the parameters. We must do this, blah, 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 blah. And ironically, to some extent, we with ADHD, we're kind of doing the same thing. We might be outside the box, but we're still thinking, okay, these are our parameters outside of the box. We must do these things outside of the box, but we still set the limits on either end of our parameters. It's kind of like, well, you know, you can change that as well, right? You know, you can mix that up. You know, you can ditch that or change it or take on something else completely new. And that, yeah, rethinking you rethinking is a big, big deal, but it's, it's, getting into that habit in the first place (laughs) yeah it's okay to change like things and I've written I've written this down because this is something I wanted to mention is that it's okay to have lots of interests and creativity isn't it and again before I had my diagnosis and I decided I want to learn drums instead of kind of congratulating myself on harnessing creativity and like doing something different and just kind of like thinking outside the box I was like, well, what what woman who's 40, you know, <laughs> drums, what, pe- what will yeah. people think? That's weird. People are going to think I'm weird. You know, I should just be doing X, Y, and Z and going to a yoga class, which again, I enjoy, but that's, society says like, you know, you're yes, a woman. Yes, society says you want to do this. Yeah, uh-huh. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And, and I hear it 
all the time that we berate ourselves for taking on lots of different interests and then losing interest in those interests. And it's okay. Listen, one of my other guests recently said that her hobby is having hobbies. And it's a... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So why do we, why have we made it a negative thing for having interests, lots of interest? And I know we also have um, lots of junk rooms with interests that we've lost interest in. <laughs> hey, you know, uh... there's no need to call me out directly like that. There was no need for that. There was no need for that, Kate. You did not have to call me out like that. <laughs> I mean, the amount of charity shops, I've got all of my like old, old interests that, you know, probably done very well from that. But why, why have we made that into a negative connotation? I think a lot of it stems from, um, it's it's horrible old stereotypes of, uh, and I hate to say this, it's horrible old stereotypes of, you know, where the woman who is supposed to stay at home with the kids, we cook, we clean, we make sure that the house is in a in the correct state. It's it's all stems from periodic historic beliefs that have just been drummed into us over the many, many, many years. And the thing is, it's this is a Titanic that has actually been turning to avoid hitting the iceberg, but it's been turning for years and years and years. And it's a slow burn. It's it's gonna take forever if you know it feels like it's gonna take forever. But it will keep turning as long as we keep doing the things we're doing. You know, more and more women are claiming ownership of their bodies with things like, no, actually, I'd like to keep working in, in well into my 60s with no kids and I don't want to get married or, you know, I'm going to get to 30. Actually, yeah, I am going to get a divorce because this marriage sucks for me and it's not working and I want better. We're doing all of the things that go against what we've been taught for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's just, but it's, we're undoing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years worth of work thousands maybe if you want to go that far it's like we are undoing so much work and that's the thing and that's going to take time that is going to take time i like that analogy of the boats gently. yeah turning so slow it's the biggest boat in the world but it's turning it would you know the iceberg is up ahead but you know thankfully we're not going to sink because thankfully someone was paying attention but it is going to be the slowest boat turn that we've ever seen, but it is turning. It is absolutely turning. And the, as I said, the more and more women who are going out of their way to just do the things that they actually want to do, whether that's having, making, you know, a hobby out of hobby, having hobbies or playing 7,000 different instruments. I mean, I can't tell you the number of instruments that are underneath my desk or behind me or upstairs in this house. It's kind of stupid. And I probably won't play half of them again, but you know what? That's fine. At least I had fun doing it. I think there's nothing worse than not satiating our curious brains and our creative brains because to have stifled creativity leads to depression. You know, like depression is suppression. Yes. And so if you're suppressing our desires and what we're innately wanting to try, I mean, why has that been a, a negative thing to want to, you know, lean into our creativity? And I, I genuinely believe as a well-being coach, that creativity is just as important as sleep, stress management, eating, exercise. It just should be another pillar to that because the creativity, what you see, I mean, you see it with kids, you know, my kid and my daughter, who is nearly seven, she is obsessed with her iPad and it, I hate it. And she turns into the worst version of herself when she's on her iPad. 
I'll take that off her and I'll put like felt it you know after a big argument it doesn't just come away yes. nicely by the way <laughs> yeah there's a whole big argument and me shouting but eventually I'll get the felt tips and you know the paper and all of a sudden she's engaging we're chatting we're having a conversation and then afterwards I say to her do you understand why I did that do you understand and she can see it but, you know, I think as parents, definitely we've got it really hard. We're really up against yes. technology. And so that creative side of us is, is not being used. So it is making even, you know, more um, effort. And I think what I would say to anyone that's listening now that is struggling with their mental well-being, you know, and, and they're ticking boxes, you know, yes, I'm exercising and I'm eating well. What are you doing that's creative? Like, where are you, like, flexing that? muscle and if you're not bloody go out and sign up for a course or go and anything yeah absolutely and I mean it's I love that you brought up the the technology thing actually because that um that has been something that I've struggled with with my two boys who are very very technology minded I mean I'm uh, sitting at my desk and I'm looking at one two three four five computers there are three of us in this household and I'm looking at five computers but it's things like um, with my oldest who adores his iPhone, I remember saying things like, right, you know, if you're going to be on your phone all this time and do something creative on your phone, I introduced him to a couple of music apps and he's now written enough tracks where he has some streaming on YouTube. Um, one of them I now use for my podcast and he's like, oh, mommy, it's gotten loads and loads of hits on YouTube and Twitch streamers are sharing it and they're using it for their um, background music and stuff. And it's things like that. I'm like, if you are that's stuck or can't see a way out of something that you really enjoy, but you know, isn't great for you, then tweak it and make it good for you. So tech is, was, tech was a very sensitive issue in this house. And I had to think to myself, I myself am hooked on tech. I love and adore tech, but I'm very mindful of my own screen time. So what can I do to make it better? How can I make it healthier? How can I be more productive? How can I enjoy it? How can I be creative? So things like that, just find ways, rethink your rethinking, explore outside of the outside box, go inside the other box. Just, <laughs> yeah, there's always boxes but I'll bet you've not looked in all of them. And yeah, it's it's that. There's a lot of that that I've had to explore. So I've written down, I'm just trying to read my ha my own handwriting here. But <laughs> this is something that you wrote in your notes to me. And I just wanted to touch on this before yeah. we go. So you said you've always felt like a slightly wonky, misplaced unicorn. You might not even <laughs> remember writing that. <laughs> no, I remember writing that because that's something I feel every day. Yes. Yeah. And I think especially as a black woman with ADHD, I think you're definitely in the minority because yes. I mean, it's I speak to a lot of women who with ADHD and I would say that the majority are white or, the, or who have been diagnosed so that they know they have ADHD. Can you tell me a little bit about being black, ADHD, how your family, where you see it in your community? Is there awareness out there? And yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more. There is awareness, but like that ship, it's really slow. Um, as black women, we have to hold ourselves in a certain regard, in a certain space, um, Oh gosh, this is such a huge topic. There's a lot of expectation and people forget that we are still human. I was on a, a documentary, um, was it last year or maybe the year before, year before for BBC Radio 4 called Black Women Don't Cry. 
because quite literally we're supposed to be seen as super strong and super hardcore and, you know, nothing affects us and, you know, we don't hurt. If you cut us, do we bleed? No, we just keep going. And there's all of that that goes on. And even in terms of mental health, addressing mental health issues in black women, it's still few and far between where, you know, I mean, don't ask me for statistics because of course I don't remember any of them <laughs> right now, <laughs> but you know, we're less likely to get the care and attention that we need just because of the color of our skin. And I know loads of people might think to themselves, oh, well, you know, that's not really the case. It's just as hard for someone else. And it's like, I can understand you saying that, but the statistics and you can go out there and find the st statistics anywhere you look, if you really want to find them, you'll find them. And then they're not hard to find statistics show that it is harder for black women to be diagnosed with just about anything apart from being diagnosed as being black like we're more likely to be diagnosed for that than anything else to be quite honest with you which is ridiculous because that's the freaking obvious thing so being black with adhd in my family i'll be honest with you has been an absolute nightmare um my i mean my dad is no longer with us um but he and I were estranged for the longest time ever. And it actually now turns out looking back at all of his behaviors, I'm 99.9 .9 recurring percent sure that he had ADHD. Like I would bet one of my cellos on it and that's saying a lot. <laughs> um, I'm also pretty certain that at least one of my siblings has it. But again, because of st stereotypes and things, they're kind of like, yeah, well, it's fine. I'm just going to, I'm coping. It's fine. I'm just going to ignore it. And I'm like, okay, well, beyond that, there's nothing else I can do, which is interesting because, you know, there's history of depression and um, other, you know, sort of mental disorders in my family. I just think there's, in my opinion, there's always an underlying something which tends to trigger these comorbidities. And it was another one of the reasons why I explored my own mental health and why my brain was doing what the things it was doing. Like I had massive, massive mental health issues when I was younger, um, was in mental health care, was doing all sorts of things I shouldn't have been doing. But a lot of it was just never explored or discussed within my family because it's just kind of like, no, 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 we don't do that. We don't talk about that. Um, you know, we just keep marching on. We just keep fighting forwards. But to be honest, I think a lot of it is just because we're tired. We're, we, it's like we need to pick a battle. And right now the battle isn't let's get um, ADHD recognized in black people. The battle is let's just survive as black people in the world that we're in. Yeah, I feel like a unicorn because I'm speaking out because I recognize that I am extremely different to the majority of my peers for all of the reasons. Um, yeah, it's it's. A tough battle it's a painful battle it's it's a battle that ne is never ending i recognize that it will never end the cycle will continue for the longest time ever but it is ongoing and it is out there and it is very 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 real regardless of what anyone chooses to think or believe it is very very real absolutely because surely you know this is a neurological issue so it kind of overrides all races religions <laughs> yeah. ethnicities it's not you know like a, a white doesn't choose color yeah. yeah exactly and, and i think what you say is incredibly profound and i'm sorry that you've had to, you have to choose your battles um but i hope that you know from this conversation that people who you know may be listening and may know of someone that you know might just kind of like help because I think the more awareness that we have and especially when you talk about mental health and you know from growing up and 
it, I guess, you know, the ADHD is the root condition, is the root. Yeah, and then the, and everything, all the comorbidities kind of, you know, spiral from there with the um, depression and the anxiety, behavioral issues. Uh, and I think just to have that level of understanding is so helpful for people. And you see it, like you mentioned with your dad, and you can see it in your siblings, that I would say, I, I would put my house on it, that if you have ADHD, at least a few members of your family are going to yes. have it. It yes. doesn't present completely out of nowhere. It may have been triggered by trauma. It yes. may be triggered by circumstance. You know, like some people come out with ADHD and if they've had very stable upbringings yes. and they've had all things going for them, you know, you see you see the success and even if you see the success without that. But I think it is more, you know, if you've had a, an early diagnosis, you've had great school teachers, mm -hmm. understanding parents, then you are more likely to be able to embrace that ADHD. Yes. But if everything's gone against you and, you know, and you've had parents who have been, had undiagnosed ADHD, then it's lots of chaos. Yeah, it's chaos is the perfect, that's a beautiful term. That is absolutely spot on. Chaos is 100% accurate. Yeah. Chaos is the best description I can think right now. Yeah. And I genuinely would love anyone that's listening to this to to reach out to to, you know, anyone that they think that potentially could have ADHD. I know it's a bit of a a strange subject, but I have done it quite a few times. And I and someone would say, I just don't understand why I've always got this low-lying anxiety. And I've diagnosed so many people. Yeah. It's not <laughs> yeah. my job. Yeah, no, it's not, but you can see it. And it's kind of like it's not until someone points out the blindingly invisibly invisible obvious stuff because it is blinding but invisible to the person maybe who's going through it but from the outside it can look in and go yeah that's adhd i hate to break it to you but yeah i've done that as well <laughs> all right our radars are very fine <laughs> yes yes absolutely yeah no question my favorite game is um basically diagnosing celebrities um with yes. ADHD. <laughs> yeah adhd or nah yeah i've done that <laughs> yeah. and yeah. so it kind of i feel like the more awareness that we have then you know from speaking quite you know seriously is that if you have had mental health conditions all your life and you've never really got very far with them the medication hasn't quite worked um, the choices, the, the therapy, all of that hasn't quite hit the nail on the head, then it would be something to, to start um, investigating. So this is why I set up this podcast. This is why I'm having these conversations. And I'm so grateful to, to people like you who have, you know, who are really honest and share all your experiences because I know it's genuinely, um, it's genuinely helping others. So thank it's you so pleasure. much, Jay. I've absolutely Absolute loved pleasure. this. Yay, it's been brilliant. And thank you for giving me the space to share my story you know I think it's important to hear everybody's stories but if we can't then I always hope that in sharing my story someone else will listen and go do you know what I totally relate to that suddenly now this thing makes sense to me and just you know that they're able to find some direction or help and support just from one tiny little nugget maybe and they've gone yep yeah, that actually really really helped if that's happened then I've done my job and that is amazing so yay Amazing. Can you tell us how people can find you, work with you, what's going on with you right now? Yeah, of course. So my website is jmcoach.com 
jmmynamecoach.com. That's jmmynamecoach.com. Um, and I'm, I love Instagram. I love, love, love Instagram. So I'm super active on Instagram as at uh, Cosmic Girly, C-O-S-M-I-C-G-I-R-L-I-E. Uh, I love messages. I love comments. And I love to see what people are up to because I'm obviously super nosy like that. And then, you know, scrolling on social media, of course I will. Sometimes I'm on Facebook, but I am very wary of how much I can disappear into Facebook. So for me, my safety is um, is my website where you can contact me, see the courses I've got going, lots of amazing freebies and downloads and stuff, or come find me on Instagram, my two favorite places. Thank you. And I know you mentioned that you had a free download. Was it called Love Notes? Am I right? Yeah, what the ADHD that? Love Notes. I love these. So they came about, and I've just done a blog post on this yesterday. They came about because I wanted something as I was growing up and going through my adult years. I wanted the help and support that I didn't know how to find. Um, I needed people to say things like, you're doing amazing, or no, you're not being stupid, or no, you're not lazy, or it's okay to do the things that you do. Um, and I recognize that with ADHD, we don't necessarily hear these things. And not only that, but we don't tell ourselves these things either. So I remember thinking to myself, right, I'm creating this course, but I need something that's going to help people keep moving forwards that's going to give them the support that they need wherever they are whatever they're doing so I wrote down it was initially 40 but they, I narrowed it down to 28 literally 28 mantras um, that you can tell yourself on a daily basis monthly basis weekly whatever you want to do um, and you can now download and listen to them and they're also available to use as like uh, a wallpaper on your phone but it's literally just mantras little things that you should be hearing as a person with ADHD. Things like, um, one of my favorites that's been the most popular, you are already amazing. I say this to so many people, you are already amazing. I wanna be better at this. You know what, you, person, you are already amazing. Oh, Jay, I feel like I'm being lazy. I didn't do the thing. You are not lazy. Executive dysfunction is very, very real. Things like that, just, it's like, it's like having a personal pocket cheerleader on the go wherever you are. Love it. Oh my God. I'm gonna I'm downloading it. Definitely. <laughs> there is a freebie. There's a freebie download and then there's a freebie mini course. And then you can purchase all 28 love notes in audio and visual format. Everything is on the website and it's all ready to go. Oh Jay, thank you so much. I'm definitely gonna go and have a little nosy at that. Yay. And yay, I can't wait to speak again because um this has been fantastic. And then when you get all that information about the connection between music and ADHD, yes. Maybe that's when we can we can have another little chat. I would love that. That would be absolutely amazing. I'm so excited for that already. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much. So that's today's episode done. Did what we talk about resonate with you? I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life. And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time.